0: Section 4 of The Letters of Mark Twain Complete. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. The Letters of Mark Twain Complete. By Mark Twain. Volume 1, Part 2 of Chapter 3. The next letter is an exultant one. There were few enough of this sort. We cannot pretend to keep track of the multiplicity of mines and shares which lure the gold-hunters, pecking away at the flinty ledges, usually in the snow. It has been necessary to abbreviate this letter, for much of it has lost all importance with the years, and is merely confusing. Hope is still high in the writer's heart, and confidence in his associates still unshaken. Later he was to lose faith in Reich, Whether with justice or not, we cannot know now. TO ORION CLEMENS IN CARSON CITY Esmeralda, May 11, 1862 My dear brother, to use a French expression I have got my blank satisfy at last. Two years' time will make us capitalists in spite of anything therefore we need fret and fume and worry and doubt no more but just lie still and put up with privations for six months perhaps three months will let us out then if government refuses to pay the rent on your new office we can do it ourselves we have got to wait six weeks anyhow for a dividend maybe longer but that it will come there is no shadow of a doubt I have got the thing sifted down to a dead moral certainty. I own one-eighth of the new monitor ledge, Clemens' company, and money can't buy a foot of it, because I know it to contain our fortune. The ledge is six feet wide, and one needs no glass to see gold and silver in it. Phillips and I own one-half of a segregated claim in the flyaway discovery, and good interests in two extensions on it. We put men to work on our part of the discovery yesterday, and last night they brought us some fine specimens. Rock taken from ten feet below the surface on the other part of the discovery has yielded $150 to the ton in the mill, and we are at work 300 feet from their shaft. May twelfth, yours, by the mail received last night. 1,800 feet in the C.T. Rice's company. Well... I am glad you did not accept of the two hundred feet. Tell Rice to give it to some poor man. But hereafter, when anybody holds up a glittering prospect before you, just argue in this wise, viz, that, if all spare change be devoted to work in the Monitor and fly away, twelve months or twenty-four at furthest, will find all our earthly wishes satisfied, so far as money is concerned, and the more feet we have, the more anxiety we must bear. Therefore, why not say blank your prospects? I wait on a sure thing. And a man is less than a man if he can't wait two years for a fortune? When you and I came out here, we did not expect 63 or 64 to find us rich men, and if that proposition had been made, we would have accepted it gladly. Now, it is made. Well, i am willing now that nearest tunnel or anybody else's tunnel shall succeed some of them may beat us a few months but we shall be on hand in the fullness of time as sure as fate i would hate to swap chances with any member of the tribe in fact i am so lost to all sense and reason as to be capable of refusing to trade flyaway with but 200 feet in the company of four foot for foot for that splendid lady washington with its lists of capitalist proprietors and its 35,000 feet of priceless ground. I wouldn't mind being in some of those Clear Creek claims, if I lived in Carson and we could spare the money, but I have struck my tent in Esmeralda, and I care for no mines but those which I can superintend myself. I am a citizen here now, and I am satisfied, although Raish and I are strapped. "'and we haven't three days' rations in the house. "'Rache is looking anxiously for money, and so am I. "'Send me whatever you can spare conveniently. "'I want it to work the flyaway with. "'My fourth of that claim only cost me fifty dollars, "'which isn't paid yet, though, "'and I suppose I could sell it here in town "'for ten times that amount today, "'but I shall probably hold on to it till the cows come home. I shall work the monitor and the other claims with my own hands. I prospected of a pound of m yesterday, and race reduced it with the blowpipe and got about ten or twelve cents in gold and silver, besides the other half of it, which we spilt on the floor and didn't get the specimen came from the Croppings, but was a choice one, and showed much free gold to the naked eye well i like the corner upstairs office amazingly provided it has one fine large front room superbly carpeted for the safe and a 150 dollar desk or such a matter one handsome room amidships less handsomely gotten up perhaps for records and consultations and one good sized bedroom and adjoining it a kitchen neither of which latter can be entered by anybody but yourself and finally when one of the ledgers begins to pay, the whole to be kept in parlor order by two likely contrabands at big wages, the same to be free of expense to the government. You want the entire second store, no less room than you would have had in harassing companies. Make them fix for you before the 1st of July, for maybe you might want to come out strong on the 4th, you know. No, the post office is all right and kept by a gentleman, but wf express isn't they charge 25 cents to express a letter from here but i believe they have quit charging twice for letters that arrive prepaid the flyaway specimen i sent you taken by myself from decay's shaft 300 feet from where we are going to sink cannot be called choice exactly say something above medium to be on the safe side But I have seen exceedingly choice chunks from that shaft. My intention at first in sending the antelope specimen was that you might see that it resembles the monitor, but, come to think, a man can tell absolutely nothing about that without seeing both ledges themselves. I tried to break a handsome chunk from a huge piece of my darling monitor which we brought from the croppings yesterday, but it all splintered up, and i send you the scraps. I call that choice. Any blank fool would. Don't ask if it has been essayed, for it hasn't. It don't need it. It is amply able to speak for itself. It is six feet wide on top and traversed through and through with veins whose color proclaims their worth. What the devil does a man want with any more feet when he owns in the flyaway and the invincible bomb-proof monitor? If I had anything more to say, I have forgotten what it was, unless, perhaps, that I want a sum of money anywhere from 20 to to $150 as soon as possible. Raish sends regards. He or I, one, will drop a line to the age occasionally. I suppose you saw my letters in the Enterprise. Your brother, Sam. P.S i suppose pamela never will regain her health but she could improve it by coming to california provided the trip didn't kill her you see bixby is on the flagship he always was the best pilot on the mississippi and deserves his position. they have done a reckless thing though in putting sam bowen on the swan for if a bombshell happens to come his way he will infallibly jump overboard Send me another package of those envelopes, per Bagley's coat-pocket. We see how anxious he was for his brother to make a good official showing. If a niggardly government refused to provide decent quarters, no matter. The miners, with gold pouring in, would themselves pay for a suite superbly carpeted, and all kept in order by two likely contrabands, that is to say, Negroes samuel clemens in those days believed in expansion and impressive surroundings his brother though also mining mad was rather inclined to be penny wise in the matter of office luxury not a bad idea as it turned out orion by the way was acquiring feet on his own account and in one instance at least seems to have won his brother's commendation the enterprise letters mentioned we shall presently hear of again to orion clemens in carson city esmeralda sunday may 1862 my dear brother well if you haven't struck it rich that is if the piece of rock you sent me came from a bona fide ledge and it looks as if it did if that is a ledge and you own two hundred feet in it why it's a big thing and i have nothing more to say if you have actually made something by helping to pay somebody's prospecting expenses it is a wonder of the first magnitude and deserves to rank as such if that rock came from a well-defined ledge that particular vein must be at least an inch wide judging from this specimen which is fully that thick when i came in the other evening hungry and tired and ill-natured and threw down my pick and shovel, Raish gave me your specimen, said Bagley brought it, and asked me if it was Cinnabar. I examined it by waning daylight and took the specks of fine gold for sulphurets, wrote you I did not think much of it, and posted the letter immediately. But as soon as I looked at it in the broad light of day I saw my mistake, during the week we have made three horns got a blowpipe etc and yesterday all prepared we prospected the mountain house i broke the specimen in two and found it full of fine gold inside then we washed out one fourth of it and got a noble prospect this we reduced with the blowpipe and got about two cents herewith enclosed in pure gold As the fragment prospected weighed rather less than an ounce, this would give about five hundred dollars to the ton. We were eminently well satisfied. Therefore, hold on to the mountain house, for it is a big thing. Touch it lightly, as far as money is concerned, though, for it is well to reserve the code of justice in the matter of quote's ledgers, that is, consider them all, and their owners, guilty of shenanigan until they are proved innocent p s monday ratio and i have bought one half of a segregated claim in the original flyaway for one hundred dollars fifty down we haven't a cent in the house we too will work the ledge and have full control and pay all expenses if you can spare one hundred dollars conveniently let me have it or fifty dollars anyhow Considering that I own one-fourth of this, it is of course more valuable than one one one-seventh of the mountain house, although not so rich. There is too much of a sameness in the letters of this period to use all of them. There are always new claims and work done, apparently without system or continuance, hoping to uncover sudden boundless affluence. In the next letter, and the one following it, We get a hint of an episode, or rather of two incidents which he combined into an episode in roughing it. The story as told in that book is an account of what might have happened, rather than history. There was never really any money in the blind lead of the Wide West claim, except that which was sunk in it by unfortunate investors. Only extracts from these letters are given. The other portions are irrelevant and of slight value. EXTRACT FROM A LETTER TO ORION CLEMENS IN CARSON CITY 1862 Two or three of the old Salina Company entered our hole on the monitor yesterday morning, before our men got there, and took possession armed with revolvers. And according to the blank laws of this forever blank country, nothing but the district court, and there ain't any, can touch the matter unless it assumes the shape of an infernal humbug, which they call forcible entry and detainer, and in order to bring that about, you must compel the jumpers to use personal violence toward you. We went up and demanded possession, and they refused, said they were in the hole, armed and meant to die for it if necessary. I got in with them, and again demanded possession. They said I might stay in it as long as I pleased and work, but they would do the same i asked one of our company to take my place in the hole while i went to consult a lawyer he did so the lawyer said it was no go they must offer some force our boys will try to be there first in the morning in which case they may get possession and keep it now you understand the shooting scrape in which gebhart was killed the other day the clemens company all of us hate to resort to arms in this matter and it will not be done until it becomes a forced hand but i think that will be the end of it nevertheless the mine relocated in this letter was not the wide west but it furnished the proper incident the only mention of the wide west is found in a letter written in july extract from a letter to orion clemens in carson city 1862 if i do not forget it i will send you per next mail a pinch of decom decomposed rock which i pinched with thumb and finger from wide west ledge a while ago rache and i have secured 200 out of a 400 foot in it which perhaps the ledge i mean is a spur from the wide west our shaft is about 100 feet from the wide west shaft in order to get in we agreed to sink 30 feet we have sublet to another man for 50 feet and we pay for powder and sharpening tools the wide west claim was forfeited but there is no evidence to show that clemens and his partners were ever except in fiction millionaires for ten days the background The local color and the possibilities are all real enough, but Mark Twain's aim in this, as in most of his other reminiscent writing, was to arrange and adapt his facts to the needs of a good story. The letters of this summer 1862, most of them bear evidence of waning confidence in mining as a source of fortune. The miner has now little faith in his own judgment, and none at all in that of his brother who was without practical experience letter to orion clemens in carson city esmeralda thursday my dear brother yours of the 17th per express just received part of it pleased me exceedingly and part of it didn't concerning the letter for instance you have promised me that you would leave all mining matters and everything involving an outlay of money in my hands. Sending a man fooling around the country after ledgers, for God's sake, when there are hundreds of feet of them under my nose here, begging for owners, free of charge. I don't want any more feet, and I won't touch another foot. So, you see, Orion, as far as any ledges of Perry's are concerned, or any other except what I examine first with my own eyes, I freely yield my right to share ownership with you. The balance of your letter, I say, pleases me exceedingly, especially that about the H and D being worth from $30 to 50 in California. It pleases me because if the ledgers prove to be worthless, it will be a pleasant reflection to know that others were beaten worse than ourselves. Rache sold a man thirty feet yesterday at twenty dollars a foot, although I was present at the sale and told the man the ground wasn't worth a blank. He said he had been hankering after a few feet in the H&D for a long time, and he had got them at last, and he couldn't help thinking he had secured a good thing. We went and looked at the ledges, and both of them acknowledged that there was nothing in them but good indications yet the owners in the h and d will part with anything else sooner than with feet in these ledges well the work goes slowly very slowly on in the tunnel and we'll strike it some day but if we strike it rich i've lost my guess that's all i expect that the way it got so high in california was that rachel's brother over there was offered seven hundred fifty dollars for twenty feet of it and he refused couldn't go on the hill today it snowed it always snows here i expect don't you suppose they have pretty much quit writing at home when you receive your next quarter year's salary "'Don't send any of it here until after you have told me you have got it. "'Remember this. I am afraid of that H&D. "'They have struck the ledge in the live Yankee tunnel, "'and I told the President, Mr. Allen, that it wasn't as good as the croppings. "'He said that was true enough, but they would hang to it until it did prove rich. "'He is much of a gentleman, that man, Allen.' AND ASK GASLERY WHY THE DEVIL HE DON'T SEND ALONG MY COMMISSION AS DEPUTY SHERIFF. THE FACT OF MY BEING IN CALIFORNIA AND OUT OF THIS COUNTRY WOULDN'T AMOUNT TO A BLANK WITH ME IN THE PERFORMANCE OF MY OFFICIAL DUTIES. I HAVE NOTHING TO REPORT AT PRESENT, EXCEPT THAT I SHALL FIND OUT ALL I WANT TO KNOW ABOUT THIS LOCALITY BEFORE I LEAVE IT. HOW DO THE RECORDS PAY? your BROTHER, SAM in one of the foregoing letters the one dated may eleven there is a reference to the writer's enterprise letters sometimes during idle days in the camp the miner had followed old literary impulses and written an occasional burlesque sketch which he had signed josh and sent to the territorial enterprise at virginia city one contribution was sent to a keokuk paper the gate city and a letter written by mrs jane clemens at the time would indicate that mark twain's mother did not always approve of her son's literary efforts she hopes that he will do better and sometime write something that his kin will be proud of the rough vigorous humor of these had attracted some attention and orion pleased with any measure of success that might come to his brother had allowed the authorship of them to become known when in july the financial situation became desperate The Esmeralda miner was moved to turn to literature for relief. But we will let him present the situation himself. To Orion Clemens in Carson City Esmeralda, July twenty-third, 1862 My dear brother, no, I don't own a foot in the Johnson Ledge. I will tell the story some day in a more intelligible manner than Tom has told it. You needn't take the trouble to deny Tom's version, though. I own twenty-five feet, one-sixteenth of the first east extension on it, and Johnson himself has contracted to find the ledge for one hundred feet. Contract signed yesterday, but as the ledge will be difficult to find, he is allowed six months to find it in. An eighteenth of the ophir was a fortune to John D. Winters, and the ophir can't beat the Johnson any my debts are greater than i thought for i bought twenty five dollars worth of clothing and sent twenty five to higby in the cement diggings i owe about forty five or fifty dollars and have got about forty five dollars in my pocket but how in the blank i am going to live on something over one hundred dollars until october or november is singular the fact is i must have something to do and that shortly too NOW WRITE TO THE SACRAMENTO UNION FOLKS, OR TO MARSH, AND TELL THEM I'LL WRITE AS MANY LETTERS A WEEK AS THEY WANT, FOR $10 A WEEK. MY BOARD MUST BE PAID. TELL THEM I'VE CORRESPONDED WITH THE NEW ORLEANS CRESCENT, AND OTHER PAPERS, AND THE ENTERPRISE. CALIFORNIA IS FULL OF PEOPLE WHO HAVE INTERESTS HERE, AND IT'S BLANK SELDOM THEY HEAR FROM THIS COUNTRY. I CAN'T WRITE A SPECIMEN LETTER, NOW AT ANY RATE. I'd rather undertake to write a Greek poem. Tell em the mail and express leave three times a week and it costs from twenty five to fifty cents to send letters by the blasted express. If they want letters from here who'll run from morning till night collecting materials cheaper? I'll write a short letter twice a week for the present for the age for five dollars per week. Now it has been a long time since I couldn't make my own living and it shall be a long time before i loaf another year if i get the other 25 feet in the johnson extension i shan't care a blank i'll be willing to curse a while and wait and if i can't move the bowels of those hills this fall i will come up and clerk for you until i get money enough to go over the mountains for the winter your brother sam the territorial enterprise at virginia city was at this time owned by joseph t goodman who had bought it on the eve of the great comstock silver-mining boom and from a struggling starving sheet had converted it into one of the most important certainly the most picturesque papers on the coast the sketches which the esmeralda miner had written over the name of josh fitted into it exactly and when a young man named barstow in the business office urged Goodman to invite Josh to join their staff, the Enterprise owner readily fell in with the idea. Among a lot of mining matters of no special interest, Clemens, July 30th, wrote his brother, Bosto has offered me the post as local reporter for the Enterprise at $25 a week, and I have written him that I will let him know next mail, if possible.' In roughing it, we are told that the miner eagerly accepted the proposition to come to Virginia City, but the letters tell a different story. Mark Twain was never one to abandon any undertaking easily. His unwillingness to surrender in a lost cause would cost him more than one fortune in the years to come. A week following the date of the foregoing, he was still undecided. TO ORION CLEMENS IN Carson CITY Esmeralda, august seventh, eighteen sixty two My dear brother Bosto wrote that if I wanted the place I could have it. I wrote him that I guessed I would take it, and asked him how long before I must come up there. I have not heard from him since. Now I shall leave at midnight tonight, alone and on foot, for a walk of sixty or seventy miles through a totally uninhabited country and it is barely possible that mail facilities may prove infernally slow during the few weeks i expect to spend out there but do you write barstow that i have left here for a week or so and in case he should want me he must write me here or let me know through you the contractors say they will strike the fresno next week after fooling with those assayers a week they concluded not to buy mr flower at fifty dollars although they would have given five times the sum for it four months ago so i have made out a deed for one-half of all johnny's ground and acknowledged and left in judge f k bechtel's hands and if judge turner wants it he must write to bechtel and pay him his notary fee of a dollar fifty i would have paid that fee myself but i want money now as i leave town tonight However, if you think it isn't right, you can pay the fee to Judge Turner yourself. Hang to your money now. I may want some when I get back. See that you keep out of debt to anybody. Bully for B. Write him that I would write him myself, but I am to take a walk tonight and haven't time. Tell him to bring his family out with him. He can rely upon what I say and i say the land has lost its ancient desolate appearance the rose and the oleander have taken the place of the departed sage-bush a rich black loam garnished with moss and flowers and the greenest of grass smiles to heaven from the vanished sand plains the endless snows have all disappeared and in their stead or to repay us for their loss the mountains rear their billowy heads aloft crowned with a fadeless and eternal verdure birds and fountains and trees, tropical bees everywhere. And the poet dreamt of Nevada when he wrote, And Sharon waves in solemn praise, her silent groves of palm. And today the royal raven listens in a dreamy stupor to the songs of the thrush and the nightingale and the canary, and shudders when the gaudy plumaged birds of the distant south sweep by him to the orange groves of carson tell him he wouldn't recognize the blank country he should bring his family by all means i intended to ride home but i haven't done it your brother sam in this letter we realized that he had gone into the wilderness to reflect to get a perspective on the situation He was a great walker in those days, and sometimes with Higby, sometimes alone, made long excursions. One such is recorded in *Roughing It, the trip to Mono Lake. We have no means of knowing where his seventy-mile tour led him now, but it is clear that he still had not reached a decision on his return. Indeed, we gather that he is inclined to keep up the battle among the barren Esmeralda Hills. LAST MINING LETTER Written to Mrs. Moffat in St. Louis Esmeralda, California August fifteenth, 1862 My dear sister, I mailed a letter to you and Maul this morning, but since then I have received yours to Orion and me. Therefore I must answer right away, else I may leave town without doing it at all. What in thunder are pilots' wages to me? which question i beg humbly to observe is of a general nature and not discharged particularly at you but it is singular isn't it that such a matter should interest orion when it is of no earthly consequence to me i never have once thought of returning home to go on the river again and i never expect to do any more piloting at any price my livelihood must be made in this country and if I have to wait longer than I expected, let it be so. I have no fear of failure. You know I have extravagant hopes, for Orion tells you everything which he ought to keep to himself, but it's his nature to do that sort of thing, and I let him alone. I did think for a while of going home this fall. But when I found that that was and had been the cherished intention and the darling aspiration every year of these old care-worn Californians for twelve weary years, I felt a little uncomfortable. But I stole a march on disappointment, and said I would not go home this fall. I will spend the winter in San Francisco, if possible. Do not tell anyone that I had any idea of piloting again at present for it is all a mistake this country suits me and it shall suit me whether or no dan twing and i and dan's dog cabin together and will continue to do so for a while until i leave for the mansion is ten by twelve with a domestic roof yesterday it rained the first shower for five months domestic it appears to me is not waterproof we went outside to keep from getting wet dan makes the bed when it is his turn to do it and when it is my turn i don't you know the dog is not a good hunter and he isn't worth shucks to watch but he scratches up the dirt floor of the cabin and catches flies and makes himself generally useful in the way of washing dishes dan gets up first in the morning and makes a fire and i get up last and sit by it while he cooks breakfast we have a cold lunch at noon and i cook supper very much against my will. however one must have one good meal a day and if i were to live on dan's abominable cookery i should lose my appetite you know dan attended dr chopinan's funeral yesterday and it felt as though he ought to wear a white shirt and we had a jolly good time finding such an article. We turned over all our traps, and he found one at last, but I shall always think it was suffering from yellow fever. He also found an old black coat, greasy and wrinkled to that degree that it appeared to have been quilted at some time or other. In this gorgeous costume he attended the funeral, and when he returned his own dog drove him away from the cabin, not recognizing him. THIS IS TRUE. YOU WOULD NOT LIKE TO LIVE IN A COUNTRY WHERE FLOUR WAS $40 A BARREL? VERY WELL, THEN. I SUPPOSE YOU WOULD NOT LIKE TO LIVE HERE, WHERE FLOUR WAS $100 A BARREL WHEN I FIRST CAME HERE. AND SHORTLY AFTERWARDS IT COULDN'T BE HAD AT ANY PRICE, AND FOR ONE MONTH THE PEOPLE LIVED ON BARLEY, BEANS AND BEEF, AND NOTHING BESIDE. OH, NO, WE DIDN'T LUXURIATE THEN. Perhaps not, but we said wise and severe things about the vanity and wickedness of high living. We preached our doctrine and practised it, which course I respectfully recommend to the clergymen of Saint Louis. Where's Beak Jolly? A pilot, and Bixby Your brother Sam End of Section four Recording by James K White Chulavista